So, is Christmas a pagan holiday? Well, spoilers, no, but maybe. Let's talk about that as we watch your culture stray further every day. Howdy, my name is Jonathan Fiala for Further Every Day, and we have a full house today. In the chair of theology, we're not going to go too much by chairs, but we're going to kind of wrap our way around for his first time as we got Clint. How's it going? How's it going good? Glad to have you on, finally. Oh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Got Tottenham. We got... We got, hey, uh, oh my we got Melissa to his left. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to have you there. And uh, Mr. Steve? Yes, sir. Doing Jumping well? Jumping on up and down the road. Yes, sir. Hopefully I won't fall down. <laughs> that road culture. And here. then to his left, we got the Josh. Yes, sir. How's it going? Yeah, doing good. Amazing. Glad to have you there. And Chauncey? Clean in there. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm blessed. You don't have to go that far. Like, it will pick you up. Oh, it will pick me up? Yeah, so scooch in just a little bit. You have to You have to straighten that mic. Okay. All right, cool. So you hear me now? Yeah, he's your brother. We hear you now. So, let's talk about it. How many of y'all have watched the War on Christmas and kind of watched how people... How many of y'all have heard the claims that Christmas is somehow root and branch pagan? A show of hands. Okay. So what are some of the different things that you guys have heard said about Christmas? What are some of the different uh, myths that have come out of crisping pagan? Biggest one, worshiping the Christmas tree. Yes. Yeah. What else? I was just about to say that. And then they take uh, the scripture of Jeremiah 10 out of context and they try to say, oh, that's the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lean in a little bit more to that, Mike. But yeah, absolutely. Anyone else? Well, I've I've heard that it get you, Melissa. it has because it's during the time of year it's actually worshiping some other pagan god or something because of the time of year. Sol Invictus or Saturnalia, mm-hmm. Melissa. Right. Same. Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and break all this down. By the way, links in the description below. As always, this is a bit of an update to the previous podcast that was audio only. You can find that on Further Every Day from last year. But we want to go ahead and kind of go through some of the different claims and debunk them one by one. Starting off, we'll go with the date. The 25th date coincides with other pagan holidays like Saturnalia and Sol Invictus. That's the that's the first claim. Right. But let's let's lay this out here. What would have to be present to confirm that theory? What kind of historical documentation would we have to have to confirm that Saturnalia or Christmas or Sol Invictus coincided with Christmas? That we, we kind of took that out of those pagan uh holidays. What what, what would, we, would we need? You need a calendar. You would need a calendar. Right. And so that's that's a really interesting point. What do we have for Saturnalia? Do you remember? I do not remember. Could you refresh me? Yeah. So it's the the 17th and the 23rd through the 23rd. Saturnalia actually kind of shifted. and It's hard to remember, but it 17th to the 23rd historically was Saturnalia. So. If it's being celebrated on the 25th and it's derivative, if Christmas is derivative of Saturnalia, and it's being worshipped two days after Saturnalia. Does that fit, fit the point? Not really. Yeah. It, and in, uh, in fact, not, really. not really. It just does not. Absolutely. Right? But how many of y'all have heard that? Yes. Over and over and over again. Yes. And to make things worse, you see it in Christmas movies now, and Christmas shows, like uh, Disney's uh, Amphibia. Yes, I watched Amphibia. I had a cousin that had me watching that. Uh, they never mention Christmas, but they sure men- mention Saturnalia and Sol Invictus. So if you've heard this, if you've heard this, that somehow Christ is not in Christmas, and uh, it really comes from Saturnalia, well... It, not from Saturnalia, but let's talk about Sol Invictus. Does anyone remember when the first, you know, and you guys have the show notes there, the chronography of uh, 354. That was the first Sol Invictus reference. Does anyone remember when the first reference to Christmas being on the 25th? 
Well, doesn't it fall back onto the birth of Christ where they try to say that, you know, Jesus himself was born on the 25th? He was conceived on the 25th. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, I was going to say, so just from you know, looking at the show notes, but just from refreshing back on that past, I think we, I remember we discussed that it was the Hippolytus of Rome's commentary on Daniel was where we got that idea for the 25th. Yes. So that was, that was absolutely one of the three. We got Theophilus of Antioch in uh, 171, or somewhere between 171 and 183. But also, also, we have a date as early as Saint, Pope St. Telesphorus in 125 to 136. And he was conceived on the day of his murder as a prophet was their extrapolation. But there's a lot, lot wrong with that. They said because he was murdered on March 25th, he was conceived on that day and he was born on December 25th. But there's something wrong with that. That doesn't really fit the prophetic timeline, does it, Josh? <clears throat> the, first, the Feast of First Fruits, kind of an interesting time, isn't it? When, when, when did he die? On like well, what we just discussed, March twenty fifth. Yeah. So, if he was born on that day, that would fit the prophetic timeline better too. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about why the date has become an issue. Why do you guys think the dates become an issue? Some people say, "Who cares when when Christ was born?" But why has the date become an issue? What does it do? If you say that Christ was born on the 25th, does that undermine perhaps the belief that he was born at all? Yeah, I think, I'm sorry if I'm hogging all this. No, go go take it. No, no, I got nothing to say. I think about whenever I, whenever you typically hear these claims that of it being a pagan holiday, it's some type of method to try to get you to undermine your belief in Christ. Now, do I think that's the case for everybody and every scholar who makes these claims? No. But do I think it is for the vast majority of them? Yes. And in fact, if you watch debates between atheists and Christians, they type they typically try to bring out this type of information almost as they're trying to pull out the rug from under you and make you think everything that you've ever known about your religion was false. When in fact, when you look at it from the historical perspective of when it was mentioned in its earliest form, and you actually look at the origin of Sol Invictus and Saturnalia, it doesn't really match up. So they'll say that Saturnalia <clears throat> lines up in this one way, that they give gifts and they sing carols. But Yeah, to say that's arbitrarily just reserved for that, though, is it's, kind insane. Of, it's kind of insane considering <laughs> that there's many, the children of Israel sung many a songs. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone else see a problem with Saturnalia? What they would do is they would go out and they would give gifts and they would sing carol, carols, usually... Uh, very pagan carols uh, uh, door to door and they would give gifts but it was always a gift exchange which is kind of different than what Christmas is supposed to be right mm-hmm. so the, the spirit is, is certainly different but um, who else do you see any reason why they would attack the date in this way I think Josh laid it out pretty good uh, any other thoughts I think what Josh said is probably pretty much right on target about, you know, trying to make it to where people's belief in Christ uh, is just null and void. Or the fact that, you know, Christ was never born, was never around, never died. And all it is is a made up thing. And they're just doing it and putting it on after some other pagan god and they picked this date because they've celebrated these pagan gods on this date all the time and so that brings us to point two is christ a copycat because that's their next that, yeah, that's they, their next build to it to, yeah go ahead they're josh trying, well i remember when i was in high school that was a very popular claim is that it was all made up by the romans or Christ was made up by the Romans. There's a yes. lot of people who don't even believe Christ was a real person. But when you look at 
Josephus, was it Josephus or Jehoshaphat? It was, Josephus. It was Josephus, the historian's account. <laughs> and even then, some people will try to say that, oh, the Christ that he's referencing in his historian, his historical accounts is, that was a Christian interpolation, which to me, it just seems like a cop-out to try to not answer the what's actually there. But going, I wanted to go back a little bit to your prophetic timeline. Feast of First Fruits, that's April. Yes. And he was born in March. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't line up. <laughs> None of it lines up. So that's the, that's the issue. So first off, is December 25th the date of Christ's birth? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. If you want to, if you don't actually fit the prophetic timeline, the conceived thing is wrong, but the born thing actually makes sense that Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection when he was first brought forth from the womb, use the first fruits. He went to be the Passover on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then on Passover, he was sacrificed on the cross, and they had to take him down because of Passover the next day. Just And he walked the same path that the Lamb would walk. You want to know why the Pharisees were so hacked off when Jesus came in with the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday? It's because Jesus was coming before the lamb did and everyone was connoting him with the lamb. You want to know why they were upset? Because Jesus was walking that route, Josh. Well, on another thing. So a lot of liberal Christian scholars and atheist scholars try to make this point about Jesus, but they also expand this out to other things in scripture. And you probably heard this one. This is more popular. The account of Noah's flood. A lot of them try to say that Noah's flood was inspired by other stories, but could it be that there was just a, an, an incredible world changing event of mass destruction and everybody else recorded the same event. And, and that's exactly it. So people will point to Christ's birth as the virgin birth, a point to Semiramis and Nimrod having their, their child. Uh, guess what? People who got off the ark, what did they have access to? If, if there was a Noahic flood and the people who started that pagan religion, the mother and child religion, what did they have access to if they just got off the ark? The covenant of Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. So, Joel, wouldn't it be just like Satan to try and make a copycat? Because every perversion... Everything that is wrong in this world is a perversion of a God-given good appetite. And so if the myth of the virgin-born child was something that God had said, your seed will strike his heel, the serpent's heel in Genesis 3, wouldn't it be just like Satan to try to mimic that and even preempt it? Oh, absolutely. Like, the real question is, what has Satan not tried to debunk Christ? Like, if we just move just a little back where the covenant with Noah, as he created the rainbow, is to promise that he would never flood the earth again, right? Well, where is the rainbow now? It's the main symbolism of being a queer. Like, they co-opted it. They've destroyed what God's created. That's Satan's plan, just to make sure that as long as a few people don't believe, they can just make a group. That's that's all that's all he ever wants to do. And if he can make Christ a copycat, that's the ultimate plan right there. Because then who believes a copycat? And so those people, those those beliefs are not a problem for the Christian. And not a problem for the Christian worldview. If someone says because Semiramis and Nimrod and, and Osiris and all, all these other myths exist that pre exist Christ. If they pre exist Christ, somehow that disproves Christ. Well, it doesn't disprove your thesis of the Bible because the Bible literally provides for the opportunity for them knowing about that and generating, generating these stories, these myths, these legends. So if you think that Christmas or Christ's birth specifically is somehow <laughs> preempted or it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. bless you. you got a cop there? I'm sorry. Yeah, man, I don't know what happened. Gosh. Latos, latos. Oh, I knew but, it. I'm getting the bid. He's got the vid. <laughs> Getting the Rona again. Yeah. Oh, no. Got the COVID again. But wouldn't it be just like, wouldn't it be I'll, just I'll like Satan to try to co-opt it? So if someone comes to you with that argument, say, it does not interfere with the Bible, 
to have people who heard of the Bible copy the promises that God gave us, the people who believe in his word. And the third argument, the common one, and Melissa, she started to read this in the show map, and she said, what? She said, don't come after my... My Christmas tree. Why not? Because it's one of those things that's like, I think it kind of brings light to so many people, um, especially in you know these times where it's so... Society makes everything so negative and you have that one good thing and you see that Christmas tree that's lit up with colors and it's so happy. And then you read like Jeremiah and there was, it made almost like a reference to the Christmas tree, but has had one thing where one word makes a whole big difference. Um, carved versus uncarved. Go ahead and read that for us, actually, if, if you can pull that up, because it is the difference. The devil is in the details while you're pulling that up. People will say that the Christmas tree is the Asherah pole. They say that the Christmas tree is the Asherah pole. Let's break that down. But before we do, let's go to the one verse that we have a good description of the Asherah pole in. Let me know when you, when you got that pulled up, Melissa. It makes a world of difference when you actually read the Bible in context with the cultural connotations and understanding of what's there. But you just said cultural connotations, very important. We'll talk about that later. Absolutely. Just as soon as, as soon as we pull that up. Okay. So which verses would you like? Okay. We're going to do Jeremiah. Um, ten. Thank you. 10, one, 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 one through five, through five. Right. one through five. There you go. Oh, King James. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of, like, us and hath said um, in this version. So, dropping that mic, but not in a good way. You want to move this part? All right, Melissa. All right, so it's, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, but be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers, and they are not moved. They are uptight, I'm sorry, upright as the palm tree, but speak not, they must need be born, because they cannot go. But be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is in them to do good. Okay. So, real quick, quick context on Asherah. If you do not know, uh, there's a great podcast on that, actually, just a couple of episodes ago where we did yep. uh, Ancient Gods, Part 2. Asherah. Are we worshiping Asherah? Are we worshiping Baal? Asherah was the <clears throat> goddess of sex and the goddess of war. She was actually the goddess of the masculine woman. And by the way, we'll be talking about that uh, on the part two of uh, Biblical Gender Roles coming out the week after this drops. We're going to do this for Christmas. But... Asherah was also the goddess of sex changes. And the Asherah pole was a really, really depraved idol. That, sorry, if you have kids in the room, you got three seconds, two seconds, one second, make sure they're out, or pause. Had gold and silver testicles and a penis. Okay, Or wow. it was the penis. It was a phallic symbol. Okay, So when God said he wanted the Asherah poles and the groves and everything removed, these are obscenities. These are obscene things. But what's the problem? You said it comes down to one word. What's the problem with the Christmas tree somehow being the Asherah pole? It starts with the C. What's that word? It's carved. Carved. And the thing is, uh, I like to bring this up too. If you guys would go read the, the the Ten Commandments, which I believe everybody in this world needs to know the Ten Commandments. Um, the second one says you should not carve nor engrave an image. So when we have this Christmas tree, it's not you carving or engraving this image. It's more the factor of you are just having this tree and you're just remembering the time that Christ came down and, and saving the world from, from sin. That's That's what people need to understand at the end of the day so i think that needs to be put into consideration too and josh what about the culture connotations so i, I this is i don't know if i was actually on that podcast last year i don't uh, know i don't think i was but i do remember having a thought of this degree and it was having a christmas tree is not in and of itself pagan amen but a christmas tree can be pagan to some people in today's world 
and the entire holiday of Christmas can be a pagan holiday because for the Christian though, it's not pagan for the, for the Christian it is worshiping Jesus Christ and celebrating the birth of Jesus for the pagan. It is worshiping at the, in America, I'll at least speak for America. Yeah. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, worshiping at the altar of consumerism of consumerism. <laughs> and that's, and that's the real thing. Mm. I think that's the real mm-hmm. problem with Christmas. And let, let's dig into that more in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that after we deal with St. Nick, Sounds good. but, but I do want to pick a little bit further at when you are reading the Bible, you, you, you said something earlier. It's important to look at culture. It's important to look at culture. What did you mean by that when you're talking about interpreting the Bible from a cultural context? Why is that so incredibly important to look at the nations that were there and the culture that was there? Well, if you read the scripture without context within it, a lot of it's going to sound very off. For example, if you read the passage in that Paul taught where Paul is telling the women to stay silent when men are teaching, you would say, well, he's obviously, he, he's, the women got to be silent when the men's teaching. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about in that specific context, at that specific church, these women were prophesying out loud and were interrupting the entire flow of service. And so he was telling them to be quiet (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they were interrupting the entire thing. The Corinthian church was unfortunately known for being disruptive. But it goes to the context and it goes to culture and it goes to... This is what this was at about at this time. And this is how scripture was to be understood at this time. And it doesn't mean that there isn't principles that we gain from it, but this is, there is a descriptive element to it when it was referencing the culture. We see it with the wedding. Uh, there's a lot of prescriptive elements for it, and I think we should continue it on. But it's important to understand culture at that time too, because you have some very cool things that pop up, and we discussed them today, like the hoopah. Yes, and the Yiddish, and the um, and the Kiddish, and the and the Nissan, and so all these different things. Yes, so looking at the culture, you, you got to remember each of these books was written to a specific group of people in a specific context, and in the context of there uh, of of the people in Israel. And Jeremiah said Ashrapol. He was not talking about something that would be invented. 1,500, 2,000 years after the last practice of the Asherah pole, over 2,000 years from Jeremiah later. And by the way, you want to know who popularized it? It was Martin Luther. What's the star on the top supposed to recognize? What's the angel on the top of the, of the Christmas tree supposed to recognize? What's it supposed to be a symbol of? Star of Bethlehem. Star of Bethlehem, right? Or the angel singing. So... I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but I, I do not find it to be reputable, intelligent, or intellectually consistent to say that the Christmas tree is somehow an ashrapal. So just, just so that you know, if, if you have your edgy atheist friend saying that, that's simply not the case. Simply not the case. However, let's talk about Santa Claus. Let's talk about Santa Claus. Uh, oh, wait, he's like sane, sane in the flesh. Right? God. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the real Santa Claus or the one that people made up now? Let's talk about both. Let's start off with St. Nick. Anyone remember when St. Nick was around? What time was St. Nick? Like that 280. 280 AD. Yeah. Go and get that mic closer to you there, but. Like 200. 380. Correct. Correct. And what was he famous for? Giving out gifts. Giving out gifts, giving out dowries to women who were bound to a life of prostitution so that they could be married, okay, or so that they could live a life in peace. That's who St. Nick was. And by the way, if you read some of the mythology, some of the mythology gets wilder and wilder. He starts flying. He starts punching people in the face, which is all... I mean, I'm okay with the punching in the face for some people. Oh, yeah. So that, that one myth was really fun. By the way, go look it up. Link in the description below. St. Nick was kind of a cool guy. I'm sure there were plenty of people back then that needed punched in the face. Oh, there's still <laughs> any people now that still, still the case in the face. But, you know, like Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched punch in, in the mouth. face. Yes, sir. <laughs> Josh, you, you have something you want to say? Okay, okay. <clears throat> but let's talk about some of the other myths. What, what are some of the other myths that come to mind when we talk about Santa Claus? Because Santa Claus is kind of this amalgamation 
of a lot of different things. Do you want to remember some of the other gods or or inspire or inspiration for Santa Claus? Like Krampus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, or, was he an inspiration for Santa Claus? He's kind of like on the flip side, right? Kind of like on the dark side. Correct. So you if know? you were naughty... Krampus was a demon that would come, and so hole in your stocking that comes partly from that. You look at a lot of the uh, the Father Father Christmas, Father Time. That's kind of an interesting amalgamation there. But does anyone know where we get the red and white Santa Claus of modern day? Who created Santa Claus that we see in Tim Allen Santa Claus? Does anyone remember? That eighteen hundreds. Uh, it wasn't the 1800s. It was the early 1900s. That's what, yeah, I remember with some, it was company. Rec- really recent. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola mm-hmm. popularized the new Santa Claus. Because, you know, Santa loves Coca-Cola. Why did they, why did they do that? They made a lot of money out of that. Yeah. And also, too, you got to, like the consumerism, like you said, you know, when you, when you think about it and you have an image of something that, um, basically has a lot of people into buying things like for example like when you hear christmas you think oh yeah um there's gifts to be bought there's gifts to be made there's presents to be wrapped and so well, a lot of these people are doing they're they're trying to get stuff for people so of course there's gonna be a lot of money to be spent so so how many of y'all and by the way tell us in the comment section below comment right now that helps the algorithm uh share like all those good things Tell us down in the comment section, how many of y'all had your parents tell you, not ironically, they lied to you, that Santa Claus was real and that the Christmas presents showed up? How many of y'all had that, a show of hands? Yeah, I know, I know your presents, Clint. Uh, your, your parents, Clint. They, <laughs> Definitely they not. Do that. So how many of y'all, did that crush you when you were told all of a sudden that Santa Claus wasn't real? No, no, it didn't. No. It didn't. It didn't crush me. I was just more like, okay. Well, probably because no, started. <laughs> Some things weren't adding up. So. So, yeah, it's like ah, I, no. I, I suspected that. But let me put something else out there. <clears throat> How many children are told that Jesus Christ and Santa Claus are real by their parents with the same weight mm-hmm. and the same significance? You must perform the sacrament of good works. You must perform the sacrament of milk and cookies by the fireplace to get gifts. Do we not see a false religion and a pattern here? Clint, what are your thoughts? Man, parents really do that? That's terrible. (laughs) I'm like, that's, I mean, I understand tradition and all that. Coming from my background, you know, I'm, I was raised Hispanic, you know. I'm brown and um, <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> so we're really big on tradition. We're really big on knowing from what we came from and for what we can do for others now. Um, so it's just odd to me that parents will tell their kids that, Hey, there's a, there's a man that comes through the chimney from some magical way. Cause chimneys aren't what they were back then. Yes. They all have coverings now. So he fits through like a two inch slot. And then goes into your house, doesn't take anything, eats your cookies and milk, which I would be highly offended, and leaves gifts for you because you were you've been good for the past what month when kids start start actually acting good. Yeah. Well, that, didn't you know he twinkles his nose in order to get down the chimney? He doesn't like. And, I mean, he just goes. Choo, I don't choo, think choo, he's watching like, Tim Allen Santa Claus. No, I can't. Like you're. <laughs> As a kid, I would even ask a lot of questions, like, why don't I hear these reindeers? I don't hear nothing. I'm I'm a really light sleeper, you know. I don't hear nothing. Ain't no weird white man coming into my house like that. I'm I'm sorry. I don't care. And that and apparently now he's black because if you go down the stores, they got him in all types of colors. Yeah. Well, wait, what happened now? Exactly. I, it, it just gets more confusing over you, the Melissa? years. How about you? I mean, there's definitely I think a parallel. I mean, you. Like you said, you kind of give, you know, Santa this big gusto and make people actually believe that this thing exists. And you do the same with Jesus. And when you have that one disappointment, when they realize, oh, this thing isn't real, 
the tooth fairy isn't real, the Easter bunny isn't real, then they kind of like, these kids can lump everything kind of in the same. Well, if mom and dad are lying about this, they're probably lying about this as well. Exactly. And, and by the way, thou shalt not lie applies to your kids too. And I'm, I know some of you are going, wait, 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 there's always a time I can lie to my kids? No. No. Because what you do now will be seen through an adult lens someday. Think about that. How about you, Mr. Steve? Mm. Well, I remember being told that, but I don't think I had a, well, I wasn't saved till I was 48, so I guess I did have a problem with all that time with, with being with Jesus between the time I was a kid and 48, so, but I don't think that had anything to do with Santa Claus, really. Nowhere or the other, yeah. But um, uh, Santa Claus, I, you know, I told my kids that, uh, told some of my grandkids that are little bitty, and, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's telling them a lie, but in the same regard, you know, it, it piques their curiosity to the point to where it makes them excited over things and that I'm just not the only one that's willing to give them something, that there is someone that is good that looks over them that's willing to give them something. Yeah. And but who does that take the place of if you're not careful? Right. That's, that's the thing right there. And so that's one of those things where Jesus, and again, if you've, if you've told your kids this, I'm not coming after you. I'm not. None of us in here have that, have that spirit. But consider the fact that Jesus Christ, God himself, stepping down to give you the gift of salvation. That's enough. That's enough. And if each gift represents salvation in its own way, even if it's a socks, okay, now, I actually really like getting socks for Christmas. I'm just saying. Oh, if it, it, I do not mind getting the socks. I like it. I'm <laughs> just saying. But if each gift is representative of how God has selflessly given to you, I think that's enough for most. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I was full bore into that stuff. I was, I was very much a believer of the Tooth Fairy and of Santa. I didn't, not so much the Easter Bunny, but definitely Santa and the Tooth Fairy. And... Just like I, getting money. That's yeah, that, that was, was. I really was that. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. Entrepreneur <laughs> since young. No, just, but just pulled out all my teeth. Not joking. <laughs> oh no. No, but Amy the pliers. Amy the pliers. Yes, <laughs> but I I do think uh, my mom is funny. We had a famous saying in our in our household, and it wasn't workspace. Funny enough, but in a lot of respects, it is workspace for a lot of other people. But for us, the Santa, it was if you believe, you receive. Was the saying. And yeah. that was one that stuck, that was one that stuck with me. It was just like, if you believe you receive and it's true, that's, there's a lot of truth in it, but I don't know if you're applying it to Santa is not the right. It's, 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 well, that's the thing. Right? And also it's kind of prosperity gospel esque more than it. But that's the thing. It's, it's, it's replacing. If we're not careful, it quickly replaces. I have no problem with tradition. Okay. I love St. Nick and I love the, the, I have no problem watching a santa claus movie but the moment you say that he is somehow real and that he's responsible like this demigod character you actually believe that that's kind of scary because you're you're promoting a false doctrine a false gospel even and what are your kids going to think chauncey your thoughts uh, on being told about santa claus well, I had to find out the hard way because it was like, you know how you tell the kids, like, you need to go to sleep so Santa can do his thing or whatever mm-hmm, the case mm-hmm. may be. And I was one of those kids that was kind of, you know, disobedient. <laughs> so I stayed up and I just heard some rumbling, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I let, I let the cookies out, you know what I mean? The milk and cookies. And then, you know, I just like one day I'm just peeking through the hallway. I'm like. I don't know if you, we just watched the Grinch like yesterday. <laughs> and so I was like the little girl that was weeping around the corner, like Cindy Lou. Yeah. And I was like that. And then I realized my dad was putting the Christmas presents down. So I was like, this is all alive. I was like, you know what? 
I'm okay with it. <laughs> because I know for a fact that, that, you know, not only that all the gifts come from God, but also, too, you know, God has given, you know, your parents an opportunity to actually give you gifts so that you'll understand not just to appreciate these gifts at one particular time, which I believe what's going on now is that Christmas has now made it into itself prosperity, like Josh said here, that, you know, around this time, you should expect gifts. And sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's about spending time with family, spending time with your friends, you know, reaching out to somebody, because that's really what matters, you know? And all of that being absolutely true, because what did God do? He reached, he reached down and he gave up his privilege of sitting at the right, you know, on God's throne. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came down, gave up the privilege of the throne and all of the rights, all of the comforts to be born outside the end. Whether or not it was a manger or not, that's a whole nother argument. And I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a deep, that's a deep <laughs> that's rabbit trail. All, that is a deep, <laughs> deep a, rabbit trail. You know, a lot of people believe the sages when they arrived, he was already a child, mm-hmm. a full blown child. And there's a lot of evidence. Yeah, but it's a, it's a deep yeah, rabbit. Yeah. Dude, that's another can of worms that we probably should. Yeah. Know. Who cares if he was in a manger? If he was in a, a stack of hay, or if he was on grass? Amen. As long as he what came. Matter. As long as he came, right? See, as long as was, it doesn't matter. I was raised believing that he was in a sukkah, right? In a, in a two ball dwelling. But it's, it's like the Hebrew roots movement. If you're not careful, you end up making critical doctrine out of something that's, that's not even salvation related. And you break up friendships and you, and you destroy yeah. family over it. Because I remember uh, earlier this morning, actually, uh, in, in Bible class, we was talking about... Uh, how the the translation in that verse where it talks about uh, a manger is supposed to be the manger. And so <laughs> I guess we was just, you know, talking about was it duh or was it uh. And so it's, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Steve Lyons, I, sometime hopefully we'll get him on for the uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday Easter podcast. But a uh, really interesting guy. He believes that the manger the manger it's not a manger or the manger would have been where the lambs that were being raised for sacrifice would have been brought and that so instead of going to an inn jesus christ had to go out and be actually with some of the shepherds and the angels went and got the rest of the shepherds to come in and so that's that into the home base if you will for the temple sacrifice sheep that's a really it's a really interesting theory and by the way worth worth going on maybe sometime we'll which, do a study on that which is kind of like and it's not really a, a barn or anything it's like a, a three-walled building mm-hmm. just three walls and what it is is it's basically just set up so that animals can go in and stay out of the weather that's all it's for correct and it would have been in the March-April time frame. And uh, how many of y'all have watched the Star of Bethlehem program? Y'all, show of hands. Okay. It is, link in the description below, if I can remember, someone remind me. Uh, Star of Bethlehem and the Christ Comet. Two things you should look at. When you look at the Star of Bethlehem, is it's like a 45-minute or an hour documentary on how Jupiter entered into the constellation Virgo and you have all these signs where, where you have the king being born of a virgin and you have all of these different signs come out in the heavens and they all coincide with about 6 BC right around the December time frame April time frame and then there's the Christ comet which happens in April which would have been leading so this comet would have come through our solar system made a streak across the sky one direction, come around and made a streak across the sky the other direction. It would have been leading them to Christ at the manger. It would have been directing them in that direction. Now, was there an angel also in the heavens, you know, motioning and beckoning him to go? Maybe. Maybe. 
but you also have this <laughs> Chauncey, <laughs> basically, basically. But you have actual astrological evidence of around 6 BC, because, you know, the calendar got mixed up with the Gregorian calendar. That's a whole thing on its own. But about 6 uh, BC, there would have been signs in the heavens that there was a king born to a virgin, which would have started the Magi on their journey. By the way, the Magi, were they there at Christ's birth? Just another... Yeah, that's... that's, that's, that's that's some sus stuff. I don't think so, personally. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't think so. He was two and a half years old, the yeah, Bible right. says. That's what I was talking right. about. So, but that in its own is its own interesting story. Does anyone know who these magi would have been, not descendants physically, but intellectually from? Who trained that order of magi? Does anyone know? Is it Herod? No. No. Not Herod, no. Daniel. Oh, my gosh. Daniel. Really? That's its own study all on its own. But likely Daniel. And the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, very likely coming from the riches of the temple that the Babylonians sacked. Again, if I if I can find a proper, well researched study, I'll put that in the in the description there. But but all that to say, it is not a pagan holiday. But maybe we've injected some paganism into it. Going around the room, any takeaways for today? Anything that you want to say to our listeners for this Christmas holiday, especially those who are being assailed by the uh, angry atheist? Well, uh, first thing I want to say is uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure being here. Um, just be careful. Be be on guard because every every day is a struggle. Because Satan's always out to get us, and especially these holiday times, it's where most it we all get caught up in the nostalgia, and then it's easier to let stuff in when we're off guard. And uh, just just be careful, and uh, try not to blow up your bank account. Very good, Melissa. <laughs> um, just you know, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses pretty much with the whole consumerism, you know, don't look out when oh, my neighbor is giving my kids or their kids this, I have to do it for my kids. Just be, you know, like, like, you know, like Joel said, you know, don't, you know, don't, you know, don't blow your bank account, you know, be mindful of what you can do. And if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. And it's okay. But most importantly, just remember the reason for the season. And it's not about the gifts. It's not about that. It's about Christ's birth. Amen. Mr. Steve. Yes. Um, I just want that everybody to have a good, safe, Merry Christmas. And to think like I'd heard in our, our service today with the pastor that, you know, you need to be armed with the words of the Bible. And the only way to do that is to know your weapon and to know it well and know how to use it and the bible is a weapon against satan and and the only way that you can fight satan is to have a weapon that you know how to use and the only way to use it properly is to know it amen efficiently and to be able to use it properly and the only way to do that is to read it and be in the word so my suggestion is, is like he was doing, try to read that thing in one year's time and stay Amen. on top of it. Amen. Josh? Just remember what the holiday season's all about. It's not about all the different things we've talked about, consumerism, uh, spoiling the, the heck out of your kids, spoiling the heck out of your family. It's not about all those things. It's really about Christ and that's all that matters at the end of the day. As long as we're worshiping Christ and we have Christ, then it's a good Christmas. And we always have them. So it's always going to be a good Christmas. Just don't get too, and I think it was said, don't get too caught up in the holidays. Amen. Get focused on the reason for the season. Chauncey. Uh, there's a verse that I wanted to read before, you know, we all leave here. And it's out of Romans 12 too. I think everybody, um, well, everyone should know this one. But it says, uh, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when you look at this, uh, 
don't try to get caught up into the the schemes of what's what's going on here. You have to remember that Christ is the reason for the season, not Big Fat Santa or Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer or whatever it is out there that you are trying to get yourself caught up into. Because if you are doing other things that you shouldn't be doing, and it's I'm gonna put it this way: if it takes you away from Christ and doesn't bring you anything to Christ, and Kind of like stay away from that and go the way that, you know, it should lead to Christ. That's all I had to say. Amen. Amen. Right on. Now, for my two cents, enjoy this time of Thanksgiving. It's probably not when Christ was born. That's okay. Doesn't matter. What matters is, is that he was born. He was. It, it does matter when Christ was born. Okay. I'm going to say that it's theologically important that you know that Christ was likely born on first fruits because he was the first fruits of the resurrection. Okay. Noted. What's more important is that you are focused on him. Be focused on him in your speech, in your worship, in your time with your kids. I don't have a problem. I think Tim Allen, Santa Claus is hilarious. Okay. I'm just saying it's fun. It's fun. It's all good fun. That should not take away from Christ. Make sure that Christ is the center, he's the cornerstone, not only of your holiday, but of your home. With that said, if you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all those good things. Thank you all. We are averaging around 15,000 downloads on the audio every month. So thank you all. All Thank you all. Thank you all. And then as for the rest of it, if you didn't like this podcast, Smash that dislike button and some multiple of two, please. Make sure that it's a multiple of two. That way it is extra effective. Okay, it'll be much better. With that said, love you. Bye-bye. See ya. All right. All right. For real. For real. All right. If you're still here, we put you to sleep or you are our super listener. So around the room, I want to go with favorite Christmas activity. What is your famous Christmas activity? And while they're saying it, put it down in the comment section down there below. If you're on YouTube or Rumble, thank you, Rumble. We do see you. Uh, put it down in the comment section down there. What your favorite Christmas time activity with family, friends, etc. Starting with you, Clint. Dude, for a second, I was about to get up and go. Now, lie, you said it was over. But <laughs> my yeah, favorite first time. <laughs> my first time. Okay, people, give me some slack. My favorite activity is, um, you know, making tamales, but it's not what you think it is you know some people just the the new traditional way of making tamales is absolutely horrendous to me we go old because it's i don't like it tamales purist over here yeah it's because tamales are now wrapped in banana leaves right Mm -hmm. which originally they were but that was to protect them because they cooked tamales in the ground a lot of the food that mexicans cooked back then was in the ground But now we use, you know, pressure cookers and stuff like that because we're more advanced. But tamales in itself is still made out of corn husk, right? That's what we use. That They've taken that away. So we still make them by tradition, right? We have the ladies all around a giant bowl of masa, and they're making it, and the men usually fill it. That's what I. That's where I come in. That I'm. I'm the filler of the family. I make sure them things are filled perfectly. Like if he I is, were gonna eat them, he is a filler. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer an eater, but you know it is what it is. Very good, Melissa. Yeah. So we had this thing growing up. It was called like the Santa Claus cake, and this thing is like absolutely ridiculous. And I'll post some pictures. You've told, um, you've told us about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it was one of those things. Like, it was, you know, my mom did it back whenever we were little. And even though she's passed, like, 20 years ago, we still keep that that tradition on now. And it gets more stupid-looking every single year. But it's just a family favorite. <laughs> there you go. Mr. Steve? Yeah, we have a, a deal where we do with our family, with all of the kids and grandkids, we do a white elephant deal, okay? Well, one of the things I kind of started when we did that was I bought and found a Mr. Bill. (laughs) And that turned out to be one of the things where somebody gives the Mr. Bill to somebody every year. So somebody always ends up with the Mr. Bill 
as their white elephant gift every year. (laughs) My gosh. So they're always got somebody different always ends up with Mr. Bill as a (laughs) present. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Josh. That's that's one of my favorite things. Uh, As far as for my family, we don't really have a crazy amount of traditions. I think our thing is just waking up, eating breakfast food. Because there's bright, we usually make breakfast that morning. Just having that breakfast and then opening up presents with the fam around the Christmas tree. Beautiful. <laughs> I think as far as mine, so I think we just love to hang around with each other. We like to bring a lot of family out. But the the favorite thing is the the cooking. The cooking. If you, oh, you yeah, grew up, man, you, if yeah. you, you grew up in a yeah. black household. Like cooking was just like essential. It yep. was like you couldn't mess up on the mac and cheese. Couldn't mess up on the ham. Couldn't mess up on the turkey. If you guys do turkey out there, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you will get roasted. <laughs> if your mac and cheese was dry, they're gonna be like. Bye bye. Like, <laughs> like, like, leave that at home. You know what I mean? Like, don't bring anything. Like, I'm sorry, Josh, but but yesterday that that pie was like that pie, that, that pie was not safe. I'm telling you that pie comes so, in frozen. So wait, so wait, are you are are you, are you are you telling me if you don't know how to make cheese and mac, you ain't you ain't black? Is that is that, I mean, is that, is that Joe Biden here? <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is you, you gotta have a good dish, man. John Arthur's Joe Biden came out there. Yep. No, no, just like my dad said, if you don't drink that grape Sprite, man, you ain't from the hood. You know? <laughs> I would have to agree with Chauncey, actually, uh, and, and Melissa, cooking the food. I come from a very bohemian Italian uh, side, so my, my mom was born oh, nice. in Argentina, raised in Uruguay, and my dad comes from, his, his pop was 100% Czech Italian. And so uh, whenever we get together with dad, especially dad's side, there's a lot of this and a lot of yelling and a lot of it's very, it's very Is Italian. That why we see this out of That's you all the, time. all the time. You <laughs> know, Sounds good. Why did you burn the beef Wellington? What's you know, that sort of thing. There, eh? So, so yeah, but cooking, cooking with the family, cooking with the family, that oh. is fun. And then, of course, right. Bible studies around the Christmas tree. Always good times. Yep. With that said, tell us down below your favorite thing to do this Christmas. And with that, Merry Christmas to all of you. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.